Welcome into the EMA Online pregame podcast. Mason Both Alec Bussey here with you from EMA Online, the K State Rivals site where you can find all of the latest that you need on the Cats, everything that's going to go down this weekend with the Longhorns, now the number 13 team in the country. They get to play the number 24 team thanks to the College Football Playoff Committee making the decision that Texas is a top 25 team when other polls did not make that decision. So a top 25 matchup under the lights in Manhattan. That will be a very exciting atmosphere and will be interesting to see what it looks like coming off of what was a great environment for the game against Oklahoma State last weekend. Uh, Oklahoma State is a team now that everybody was asking why uh, Deuce Vaughn was still in the game late. You know, Will Howard, why was he still out there late? Um, a lot more people were asking why Spencer Sanders was still out there getting his ass kicked by the K-State defense. And it seems like those people were wise to ask that question because there is a lot of doubt in Spencer Sanders' availability coming up uh, this coming weekend for the game against Kansas. And depending on who you talk to, follow, or whatever, there's a lot of doubt on if Spencer Sanders plays the rest of the season for Oklahoma State. Uh, And also the way that the line shifted today, Uh, betting-wise, would maybe indicate that Kansas is no longer the underdog that people thought they were because they probably aren't going to be facing a quarterback like Spencer Sanders. Instead, it will be most likely Gunnar Gundy, um, which, as I was reading last night, having a a ton of fun just checking out what Oklahoma State fans were up to. Uh, Some of them very upset that Gunnar Gundy is the backup quarterback right now. Uh, They think that that was an oversight by Mike Gundy to not bring in a legitimate quarterback, and now here's his son going to get his chance. But I'm excited to see what Oklahoma State looks like there, Um, and and we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Our our main goal today is to preview K-State in Texas. Uh, Alec is fresh off of witnessing Colin Klein and Joe Klanderman meeting with everybody uh, on this Thursday. We'll see uh, what his thoughts from their – conversations earlier today were sounds like Joe Klanderman was maybe a little bit feisty uh was was ready to go out there and and have some fun and Colin Klein was his usual self but maybe gave away some interesting details um and and, but not enough for us to actually know what's going to happen on Saturday because I think we're all still going to be guessing until the Wildcats line up under center uh real quick uh Saturday if K-State wins the toss do they take the ball again that's a really good question. I would imagine that you'd want to probably try and play with a lead against Texas. I know they've given I, up a couple second half two score leads, but I would imagine you don't want to have to try and play comeback against an offense that features, in my well, opinion, the best tailback in the country and P. John Robinson, another really good rusher and Roshan Johnson and um, obviously a receiver that's really talented and Xavier Worthy, who's got the ability to just make a catch and keep the clock running. So I would imagine, I would imagine you'll, want to probably play with the lead uh, i'm trying to think so was was last week the first week that k-state lost the toss no they lost the toss or was the week the first before time down at TCU. at tcu yeah that's right and then last week they won it and took the ball so every time that they have won it and decided that they want to take the ball first they have won the game this year um because what that's happened oklahoma and Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and now Oklahoma State, I think are the three games where they said, hey, we win, we want to take the ball. Because there was one game they didn't do it for. Um, I can't remember 
if maybe that was the Iowa State game or not, whatever. But it doesn't really matter. It's just something kind of significant. So we'll see how it goes this weekend. It, all, it also determines on if we know immediately uh, who's going to be at quarterback. Before we go any further, Mr. Bussey has a bet to pay off. Um, our My Cowboys beat his Bears last weekend by more than 10 points because his soft quarterback didn't want to try and touch down Micah Parsons. Instead, That's decided, not why. Decided to hurdle 49 over him, points. Cam Newton style. Well, I mean, did they? I mean, offense gave up seven of those. I so. mean, they still wouldn't have covered even if. Yeah, no, it's, it is what it is. So I had the Cowboys minus 10. And since the Bears were not able to cover, Alec, uh, we decided that what was the, the best bet here was that the loser had to try the famous Adrian Martinez steak shake. So Alec has purchased a blender, uh, a big boy purchase, did not have one of those. So now his apartment is outfitted with a blender. He has the steak. Looks like he ate uh, a good portion of it for lunch maybe today. No, that was the full steak. I just bought oh, okay. a small steak today. Oh, okay. All right. So, well, I don't, you know, so he's going to blend some of it up right now. I'll let you go do that. Then he's going to come back over here and he will take a, a couple of drinks. I'm not, I'm not, a, um, you know, an evil person. I'm not going to make him drink the whole thing. Um, and the reason why we're doing this at the start is because he didn't want to have to think about doing this the entirety, which I understand. We've all been there before. You know, you you go and you're waiting in line to get your flu shot or something as a kid. You just say, I, I want to go first. Let me get it over with. And you kick your brothers to the back of the line. You get up there and do it. So I'm going to let him do that and have his opportunity here. Uh, a couple of things to note before we, we dive into Alec sucking this down and then K-State and Texas. Um, if you go over to, to EMA online, we have the list of visitors for this weekend's game up as well as uh, the opportunity to go through and you can watch uh, the coordinators press conferences from today. And we'll let Alec talk about it a little bit more um, since he was there and, and got to talk to him as well. But Adrian Martinez has practiced all week. Uh, Colin Klein said, I think that's too much water. I'm just going to say, no, I didn't fill it to the max fill line, but tell me that doesn't just like absolutely brutal. I mean, it looks gross. You put a lot of steak in there. I, I, you, again, you didn't have to do that. You could have saved at least a good chunk of that, but he's getting ready to blend it up right now. So, uh, wow. I'm telling you, you put, I think you put too much water. I don't, I think it's going to be too loose and floaty in there, but is this your first time using a blender? Because that's also something that should be taken into consideration. Oh God, this is going to be brutal. Yeah, you put too much water. That's that's. No, my... I don't. I think you. I mean, it's going to be brutal regardless. I don't think there's a good way or a bad way to do it. Okay. Do you have like a small cup or glass in your apartment? Um, no, I was just going to drink it out of the. Okay. I mean, that's fine. I just, I'm just trying to give a an easier way for us to know that you've drank an adequate amount. Um, but this is why you never bet on the Chicago Bears. You should have fought me harder to try and. Um, oh God, this is going to be terrible. Yeah. Do you have any like, like sauce or anything to kind of add to it? Yeah. So I, I when I made it, I did make it like how I would normally make a steak. Now, full full disclosure, I've I've never actually made a steak before. I hope I'm you not cook it well cook, enough. So I just did it on my stovetop because um, I don't have a grill. Mm -hmm. Um, so I did put like good seasoning on it. I put some Worcestershire sauce on it. That's a tough word to say, by the way. Um, yeah, but y you should probably add some of that afterwards too. Cause so you want me to go, you want me to go get some? Well, I'm just, look, I'm just, tr I'm trying to be thoughtful here, but you can, you can go for it right now and see how it goes. I do have my, I do have my big water bottle, which. Yeah, that's fine. 
I like to never have leave my side. It's like kind of like an emotional support water bottle. Well, let's uh, let's just get to it. Then we can get on to talking about the cats and the horns. Um, and we'll see. Uh, do you have a straw? You should probably have to drink it out of a straw because I imagine that's how Adrian had to do it. No, I imagine he probably couldn't drink out of a straw because he had a uh, broken yeah, straw. So maybe suck. dry suck it. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe I guess he could just poured it on in. All right. Uh, Cheers to Adrian Martinez, Nebraska career, steak shake style. Looks gross. All right. That's pretty, I mean, that's pretty solid. I'll give you credit for that. It looks disgusting. It's a great, it's a great view that you just gave us there, but. (coughs) Yeah, that's good. All right. All right. Well, you did it. I'm proud of you. Um, you can go dump that out now, so we don't. You know have what that it. reminds me of? Oh, what? Oh, that's really bad. Um, you know how when you get like Thanksgiving turkey, mm-hmm. and sometimes it gets pulled off and like pulled too much, and it's just a whole bunch of really thin uh, pieces of turkey, mm-hmm. and then it gets like all mixed in with your gravy and all sorts of other wet things that are on your Thanksgiving plate. It kind of reminds me of that. And it's not good. It's actually really bad. Well, yeah. I think because the water doesn't have any flavor, it just, you know, kind of dilutes everything. I, I think that's yeah, this brutal, is going to need to be dumped out. I can't turn. Yeah, no, I dump it out. I don't, I don't, I don't even want to think about you having it sitting right there next to you. So you, you uh, want to try it? Nope. You don't have to save it or anything, but you at least gave it a good go. Um, and you were uh, you were a good sport about it. I think you were kind of excited about the idea of one of us having to drink it, but then it ended up being you. That's not as good. All right, let's dive into the cats and the Longhorns now. Uh, as Alec gets rid of everything and uh, hopefully puts it down the the drain, so it's not sitting in his trash all day long. K State welcoming in Texas. The last time that these teams met was the fiasco in Austin the day after Thanksgiving last year. Uh, speaking of Thanksgiving, Alec, and everybody will remember that game as the game that got Courtney Messingham fired because a uh, short yardage situation. Mess decided that the best thing to do was give the ball to Deuce Vaughn, not once, not even twice, uh, a handful of times. And the Wildcats tried the Wildcat situation themselves. It did not work. And then on the flip side, Texas used it and used it pretty well at points in last year's game. And ultimately, the Wildcats lost to the Longhorns. K-State, this is another team that they have not beaten in a while. Last year, they beat West Virginia finally for the first time since 2015. All right, Alex going to have an Oreo to get the taste out of his mouth, so that's probably a fair move. Um, Last year, they beat West Virginia for the first time since 2015. A little fun fact for you, Alec. West Virginia was the only team that K-State did not beat while I was in school up at K-State. So from 2016 to the 2019 season, uh, West Virginia was the only school they couldn't find a way to beat. But some of the schools that they were able to find a way to get wins against was my freshman year, like Texas, who they beat 24 to 21. Um, That ultimately ended up being Charlie Strong's final season with the Longhorns. Shocker. Um, K-State led that game 21 to 7 at halftime. They were able to kind of preserve a lead uh, in that game. And just to take people down memory lane, uh, here's what the day looked like. Shane Bouchelle was at quarterback for Texas, and he threw for 222 yards. Never forget the uh, annoying Joe Tessitore 18-wheeler package. Tyrone Swoops ran for a touchdown on two carries and 11 yards. 
Uh, and for the Wildcats, Jesse Ertz. He uh, was 20 of 27, 171 yards, a touchdown, a pick. And Charles Jones ran for 81 yards. Uh, Ertz did run for 78 yards himself and two touchdowns on the day. So that is how the day went for the Wildcats uh, when they last beat Texas 24-21. to Prior to that, K-State had been on a very, very, very good run of beating the Longhorns. That was kind of the thing. K-State always seemed to beat Texas in football. Um, everybody remembers 06 and 07 because those were exciting victories. Um, but then also uh, the 2012 victory against Texas secured the Big 12 title for the Wildcats, the last game of the season at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. So I know a lot of people uh, have fond memories of that game, but it's been a while. And it's come with some heartbreak because the 2017 game with the Longhorns ended up in multiple overtimes. Um, then 2018, K-State was down at halftime, but I think shut Texas out in the second half and was kind of in the game, but nobody could score. I think it was a rainy day, too. 2019, Chris Kleiman's first year, the Cats got out to a decent lead and ultimately came up one score shy and then 2020 was a, a whole different beast, uh, which was, well, Howard's first start against the Longhorns, and he started against them last year. Um, and some of his numbers against Texas are not the most exciting to look at. Um, but he has kind of flipped the script because he looked totally different against Oklahoma State last week than what he did the first two times he played against them. And, and we'll start there with the quarterback situation. Um, do you think it makes a difference on the outcome of the game which quarterback plays on Saturday? That's a really good question. I don't know if it does. And to be honest with you, I still don't know who I'm 100% picking. It's a real big toss-up when you look at the betting lines, right? Like K-State opened, I think, as a pick against Texas, and then it kind of flirted. I think K-State was actually a one-and-a-half-point favorite, and now it's sitting close to Texas as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So I don't really know if Vegas even knows what they want to do with this game. So that definitely makes it tough for us to pick it. A little bit more so, at least in my opinion. I do think that if I was the coaching staff, I would probably side with Adrian Martinez just because he was my guy and I did bring him in to be the starting quarterback this year. And I think if you're a college coaching staff, while you do understand the importance of winning now and you understand the importance of um, you know, this current season and what's still ahead of K-State potentially with the possibility of a Big 12 championship if that were to come to fruition – those are all great things, but you also have to be planning into the future as a college football head coach like Chris Kleiman is. And that's kind of in the discussion with Will Howard's redshirt possibility. So I think I would probably lean towards starting Adrian Martinez at quarterback. And then if he struggles and the offense isn't moving and maybe you get down a few scores and you just want to see if you can light a fire under the offense, maybe you then consider going to Will Howard. And if that sparks a, the offense and get a couple scores, then I think you probably know who your quarterback is for the rest of the season. A couple of things to think about uh, come, you know, everything that's going to go on. It's supposed to be windy on Saturday, um, getting close to, I mean, the, the average miles per hour right now is slated for 17, um, but could go 15 to 25 higher wind gusts possible. Um, if that's the case, then I like Adrian Martinez better in that situation because you're probably looking at a game that's going to be more dictated by how well you run the ball. He adds a little bit something different there. Um, so I, I think that would be helpful. And real quick on the flip side, and we'll talk about it more when we focus on this, 
Quinn Ewer struggled against Oklahoma State. He threw three interceptions, one of which wasn't really his fault, but he threw three interceptions. And the word is he struggled going towards a certain direction where the wind was blowing a lot harder uh, at, at uh, Boone Pickens Stadium. So if the wind is blowing again, we already know that has affected Quinn Ewer some. Like That could play a significant role in, in how we see quarterback play go this weekend. I, I don't really know that there's a wrong answer at this point for Chris Kleiman. The one thing I do know is that if they lose, whoever he picked, people will say was the wrong choice. And that's what makes this so difficult because if we're sitting here right now, I can very easily tell you that you should just ride with the hot hand and go with Will Howard, and I would have no problem with that. Um, But we can also flip it around and say, Adrian Martinez is still the better talent. He was the starting quarterback. It's not his fault that he isn't starting right now. Um, so he should be back out there, and he maybe gives the K-State offense a, a few more options as to what they can do. Because although Will Howard is, I think, a stronger thrower of the football right now, Adrian Martinez can still throw it. He made throws the last game we saw him play the entirety of against Iowa State and would have had two big touchdown passes if it were not for Malik Knowles you know, doing two minus one math in the end zone. Um And I think that the receivers the last two weeks is the best that they've played all year. So I think that this is a situation right now where you can't make a wrong decision before kick, but people are going to tell you you made the wrong one after if you lose. Um, I, I just going with my gut. Like I, I, I would say start Will Howard this weekend. And I never thought that I would say that. And I would feel very bad for Adrian Martinez if that's the route that it goes down. But He's, I mean, he's thrown the ball really well. And you always have the option to turn back and go to Martinez. My, my assumption, though, would be is if Adrian's 100% healthy, they go with him because then at that point, they would look at it as we put him out here. If we can do it, we're in good shape and we can save Will's red shirt. But if not, then we can make the switch and go to Will Howard. I think it's just going to be a matter of like how how long of a leash do either quarterbacks have when they go into into the game this weekend? Yeah, I just think it's going to be really fascinating to quite honestly follow and just see where it all goes. Like I think back to last week on the sidelines, right? Like we're kind of watching to see, all right, well, how healthy does Adrian Martinez look? Does he look like he's uncomfortable at all with his knee? Does he look like there's things that maybe aren't right or uncomfortable for him? And he looked fine in the pregame warmups. And then he obviously goes into the locker room and says to Chris Kleiman and Colin Klein and Will Howard's also in on this conversation says, yeah, I don't feel hundred percent confident in what my needs going to be able to do. So I don't know what they're going to do this weekend. I I'm under the impression that like you said a little bit earlier in the show, Adrian Martinez has practiced all week. I would imagine that that probably means that he's a starting quarterback. Like I just struggle to see them going away from him Chris Kleiman, someone who seems to talk a lot about believing in his players, loving his players, um, trusting in his players. And given what Adrian Martinez did a week ago to be honest about his status and to be honest about what his knee was feeling before the game, in a way, I kind of feel like I could see Chris Kleiman being like, all right, let's let's ride with Adrian. Let's see what he's got. And if he struggles, then you pull him. And to go back to something you said a little bit earlier in your kind of thoughts there was – Whoever Adri- whoever K-State starts, if they lose, everyone's going to say it was the wrong person to start. 
in general, I think quarterbacks get too much praise when teams win, and I think they get a little bit too much blame when teams lose. That's just kind of how it is. It's a really easy position. Example, Adrian Martinez at Nebraska. Yeah, it's a really good example of it, right? Um, so I I am really interested to see how this kind of goes and see who could potentially be the starting quarterback on Saturday and not just the starting quarterback, but see who finishes the game. Cause I think that's maybe just as intriguing of a question as it is at the end of the game. Okay. Well, you are sounding like Bill Snyder right there. Uh, Cause Bill Snyder would say in the middle of the 2018 season, um, or I guess was it wasn't, yeah, it would have been 2018 uh, that it, it's not about who the starting quarterback is. It's about who finishes at quarterback, which and um, like sports like basketball, that makes a lot of sense in football. You only get so many possessions and, and chances to make up for things. So I don't know that that's necessarily uh, the most accurate of statements, but uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes and, and how it ends up outside of that for the offense. I, I mentioned the receivers. I think that they've played their best in a, in a long time. Um, even going through like games last year that they've played. Can we expect the receivers to continue to play at this high level or, is it kind of fool's gold what we've seen out of Malik Knowles is coming down with everything that comes his way, making big catches, and Cade Warner has turned into a legitimate threat as a receiver? Um, or, or is this really what they are, and these are veteran guys that have figured out how to, how to kind of do some things to get themselves open and make plays? I do think it's maybe a little bit fair to expect them to continue to play well. I don't know if it's fair to expect them to play as well as they did last week against Oklahoma State when you look at some of the numbers. Cowboys are the worst pass defense in the Big 12, so obviously that kind of falls on the secondary. Of course, you know, the pass rush needs to get home a little bit quicker for Oklahoma State too, but Texas is middle of the pack in that category in terms of where they rank in the pass efficiency defenses as well in the Big 12. So, I mean, those are things that you kind of want to see them continue to progress, and I think Cade Warner's improvement and consistency over the last couple of weeks is maybe the most – drastic and noticeable play of those three main receivers that we see for K-State. Obviously, Malik Knowles gets a lot of attention because of his athleticism and his ability to make big plays. And Phillip Brooks seems like a really good safety blanket. But when I think about Cade Warner, he's coming to a point now where not only is he like a good safety blanket for K-State to rely on for an easy hitch route or a slant over the middle or a curl, but he's starting to break through for some big plays. He's got a couple touchdowns the last couple of weeks, a couple of them really impressive plays on the ball when you think back to his two touchdowns in that front corner of the end zone on really good throws by Will Howard. So, you know, you think about all those things kind of considered, and I think Cade Warner's play over the last couple of weeks has really kind of been taken to a new level, Mason. Well, we'll see uh, where, where it goes. It would it would make sense that Cade Warner being around so long now, like he's, he's learned some things and it's also that I think he's you know been able to find himself out in, in bigger positions this year. But like the, the two touchdown catches he made um, prior to that last one where he took the screen pass, but the one at TCU and the one uh, for the first score of the game on fourth down against Oklahoma State, like those were impressive catches that he made. Um, like they're catches that the one against Oklahoma State that you should always make. But in that situation, given everything that was going on there, I was really impressed by it. So I guess we'll see where the the receivers continue to go. The rest of the offense, the offensive line, that was their best game all season in terms of pass protection. This is an offensive line that outside of Cooper Beebe tends to struggle uh, holding off a talented you know pass rush. They were able to hold up very well, gave Will Howard a ton of time. 
it will be interesting to see if that come you know kind of shifts over or again if that's another thing that just plays into Oklahoma State's defense is awful against the pass. Um, now this offensive line has been good against the run or for the run blocking for the run most of the year. I, I'm not too worried about you know Deuce Vaughn finding ways to get things done because he's been able to do that the last two seasons against Texas. I think the question though comes into is Texas able to slow him down enough? And also, who else gets involved in the running game? Like, how much of DJ Giddens do we see? Do they attempt to run Will Howard at all if he's the quarterback? Because he's broken off some big runs in his career, but hes I wouldn't call him a runner uh, by any means. And then if Adrian Martinez is out there, like, how much does that change up the offense? So that's just going to be something to watch because I can't really give you a good answer right now on what I think that they'll be able to do running the football against Texas. I think it's going to be pretty standard, and they're probably looking at, I mean, obviously, if you can run and just not have to throw the ball, that's what you're going to do. Um, but this is probably looking at a game that's going to be a lot more along the lines of they may bust a couple of big runs or have some series where they look good running the football, but overall they are going to have to make throws because – this Texas team is better than the one that they played last year, especially since that Texas team was a little beat up. Yeah, I think rushing, I think one of my biggest keys for both teams on Saturday is going to be the ability to run the football effectively. And looking at it from a defensive perspective, Texas does have a little bit of a better run defense than K-State does, but Texas also hasn't played as many talented rushing offenses in the Big 12. They have yet to play TCU. They haven't played... Um, Baylor, who obviously has a pretty solid rushing attack, and they haven't played Kansas State, the team with the best rushing attack yet in the Big 12. But at the same time, right, like Texas did play Alabama, who has one of the best rushing attacks, I believe a top 20 rushing attack in the entire country, led by Jameer Gibbs. So maybe it evens out a little bit. Maybe it doesn't. I don't really know. It depends on how you kind of want to look at it. Texas is averaging just over 3.3 yards per rush as a defense. So that's obviously a pretty good number. Um, K-State's right around there, too, with about 3.7, 3.8. So you kind of look at those things. You kind of look at it, well, three and a half-ish yards per carry for each team on Saturday, I think would be a pretty good margin. Get closer to four. Maybe that favors one team over the other. And what what I think could really swing this game, Mason, is the ability of one team's offensive line to get a push. When you look at Texas's offensive line, they've got two young kids who start on it, two um, five stars in the 2022 class, obviously highlighted a tackle. Um, by Calvin Banks, who's actually had a really impressive year for them at tackle. I know there were a lot of people kind of concerned about Texas starting a freshman at tackle this season, but Banks has been pretty good. And then they've got Devin Campbell, who I think has started a few games for them as well. He was a five-star recruit coming out of high school last year too. So Texas obviously has a talent on the offensive line, but K-State maybe doesn't have that high-level talent that you're looking at on the offensive line aside from Cooper Beebe as an NFL potential player. But the K-State offensive line has really improved over the last couple of weeks, and it's been really good the last couple of weeks, and I think that's really helped in the pass game. So now does it kind of translate and continue to show in the run game as well? Yeah, I mean, we'll see where it goes from there. And then and then flipping to different sides of the ball, um, you mentioned the Texas offensive line. Even though they are young, they have held up fairly well this year. Um, that was that was one of the things that um, we, we had and, and know the opponent this week. Um, so thanks to Jason Sukamel from Orange Bloods for doing that for us. But he talked about it like they got some young guys. They've got dudes that are inexperienced, even um, veterans on the offensive line. Their right tackle has been on the roster for a while, but he had never played right tackle before. Um, so 
there's a lot of newness to everything, and they've been able to hold up against a lot of the teams that they've played at this point. But one thing to take into consideration for this, I mean, so the, you know, Alabama is Alabama, and we know how talented um, they can be in everything that goes on. And Alabama was able to to, to get three sacks in that game, um, not a, a ton else that that went down there. But outside of that game, which was a little bit weird, the teams that they've played, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State. Well, as we know, Oklahoma State, they didn't get any pressure on K-State last week. Iowa State is better about it. And Iowa State was able to, you know, like they were able to, to, to do, you know, a, a decent amount of things defensively. But Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Texas Tech, their defenses don't scare anybody at this point in time. They are going to be facing the best defense that they faced all season to this point, I think, um, outside of that weird Bama game. And K-State's pass rushers are very talented and very experienced. And I, I think that K-State is going to be able to show some of the youth and some of the inexperience of this Texas offensive line. So I actually like that that you know aspect of it, even though Texas um, has been able to hold up with those guys that aren't as experienced up front and blocking. Now, the one thing that that helps an offensive line, K-State has this benefit of having a great running back. Texas has a great one as well. They also have a very good one behind him. So they're going to be able to have two guys to uh, to kind of turn to back there and B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson. And I, I the, you saying those two names together, I think it's kind of fun. Um, Bijan and Roshan, or just yeah, but know, add the last names in there. Bijan, Robinson, Robinson, and Roshan Johnson. Johnson. I think it's yeah, fun. I, mean, to, yeah. I think it's fun to put the fun to put the names together. I mean, it certainly helps. Um, and Bijan Robinson is on a, a Deuce Vaughn like streak right now. He has six straight games where he's ran for over a hundred yards. So things are uh, going very well in in that regard for him. But I, I, my concern would be in stopping those two guys. Um, especially a dude like Bijan Robinson is when Oklahoma or excuse me, Texas tries to get them involved in the passing game. Will K-State's linebackers, who we knew were dealing with depth problems of their own and had to play some guys last week that didn't have a ton of experience, how will they be able to step up and help defend against running backs in the passing game or picking guys up once they get past the defensive line? Um, we'll see if Daniel Green goes. I I mean, they, they acted like he was going to try and go last week. He couldn't. So I, you would think maybe a week later he'd be a little bit closer to playing and maybe he will be out there. You have a gut feeling one way or the other on if we see Daniel Green? Yeah, I mean, Coach Kleiman said on Tuesday, or on Thursday excuse me, that he's going to be a game-time decision. He didn't yeah. sound overly confident when talking about his availability or contributions in practice this week, so I found that a little bit interesting. I think if he can go, he's definitely going to go because he really wanted to go last week from everything we understand. But at the same time, I think it's going to be really interesting to see if he is available because they kind of need him. Like I know Nick Allen played really well last week. I know Austin Moore's been really solid for them up the middle um, as well as linebacker. But they haven't played against a group of pass catchers over the middle of the field and that short to intermediate kind of Mm -hmm. passing target range well, that, and even that's what you want to call it this season and even like thinking like you know from the running back standpoint like nick allen was able to, to do things last week and, and that was awesome the contribution he had he, he kind of surprised everybody with just how good he played but oklahoma state was down their starting running back 
they don't have the same type of uh, talent that Texas does. You need an athlete like Daniel Green out there, even if he can give you a couple of plays. Now, that all becomes yeah, a wash if, again, he gets just, up to that point and he says, hey, like I, I can't go or I'm not going to be able to be at what you need me to be. Yeah, and it's important, too, because we know how talented the receiver or the running backs are in the receiving game, especially Bijan. I think that's part of what makes Bijan so talented and so intriguing to NFL front offices. And I'm not someone who's like draft a running back in the first round because it's generally not a very good idea. But if there's a running back who can go in the first round, it's going to be Bijan because of his ability to make an influence in the passing game. But looking at the tight ends that Texas has, too, I mean, Jatavian Sanders is really good. Like he makes impact in the game. Jaheel Billingsley, the transfer from Alabama, hasn't maybe been as exciting this season as he's been at times in the past in his career. But again, just a really good weapon to have coming in from the tight end spot and a good safety weapon for Quinn Ewers to have. I mean, when you talk about the ability to either dump it down to Bijan or hit Bijan on a wheel route or find one of your two tight ends, whether that's Sanders or Billingsley, for a seven-yard gain over the middle of the field in the soft spot of his own, like those are things that become really, really easy for an offense to just kind of move the ball and get chunk yards. And that's where Texas has been pretty successful this season at times when playing against quality opponents as they've hit on the explosive plays to a guy like Xavier Worthy on the outside, but then they're also hitting on the plays that eventually just wear a defense down. Thinking of the the pass catchers that they have, obviously Worthy is the important one. Xavier Worthy, very, very good. K-State's secondary has played really well this year, and we know Julius Brintz is really good. He's a high-level talent. Echo Boido is, I mean, if that's your number two corner, that you're in a good spot there. And I think he I think he played his best game he had ever played at K-State on Saturday against Oklahoma State. Um, how confident, because I don't think you can ever just shut down Texas's receivers, but how confident are you that K-State has a secondary that can slow them down enough and occasionally force Texas off the field? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, I think it's not just Xavier Worthy, like Jordan Winningham gets, or uh, yeah, Winning, Winnington, that's how you say it actually, um, is involved in the past game as well. He's got around 400 receiving yards this season. Um, maybe not as big of a big play threat as Worthy is on the outside, but a really good target for Quinn to hit, and he's got a good rapport with him. Winnington played really well against Oklahoma and the Red River rivalry, so this is the biggest test that K-State has seen this season in terms of their secondary. Like I thought that the Mizzou game was going to be a good test for them and the conditions ended up not being obviously suitable to throwing the football. I thought they played really well at Oklahoma and they've obviously got a few pass catchers that are dangerous as well. They did a pretty good job against Xavier Hutchinson. I know Hutchinson obviously had a pretty good game for Iowa State, but they kept him out of the end zone. He didn't really have any game-breaking plays. And then down at TCU, obviously, Quentin Johnson breaks free for the big catch that was – like what was it 55 yard touchdown but aside from that he wasn't super lethal to them and i know he finished with over 100 yards i think but this is the biggest test they've had because i do think worthy is probably the most talented receiver in the big 12 his speed is so dangerous he's a great route runner and that's really going to challenge echo boido that's really going to challenge julius Brents. but then on the other side right it's winnington and then it's sanders over the middle and it's Bijan coming on a wheel route or a screen or whatever. And it's like all those things kind of put together become really difficult to defend. Yeah. And K-State's going to have kind of a big task in front of them because again, this goes into, you talk about schedules, the Wildcats, they face TCU who has Quentin Johnson. So there you go. They faced Oklahoma. We know that they've got a ton of talent at receiver. Um, 
and in those games, I actually feel like they did a pretty good job against both of them. I mean, if you think about what happened, um, Johnston breaks free on that one big long touchdown that kind of knocked the air out of everything. But that was a play that Julius Brents got hurt on. It was one play, whatever. And at that point, like the, you know, the Rubley series had already happened and everything. Um, in Oklahoma, they did enough at key points to get off the field and kind of build that lead, like what you talked about earlier about how it's going to be important to get out to a to a lead on Texas. Um, I like I think that that's that's kind of the thing here where they've already played two games this year, kept it close against talented offenses that have those type of big time players. They've been able to do just enough, and I, I mean we'll see. Everything else considered, I, I do think that this is going to be um, a a game that K-State can match up nicely enough in um, when, when you talk secondary against what their receivers are going to be. And then you factor in the fact that you'll have Felix and DK Uzama trying to get after Quinn Ewers and how that all plays out and kind of everybody else that plays there. So we'll see uh, where, where things end up going uh, in, in all of this, but this is a very even matchup. I mean, that's what everybody has kind of come down to, to, to understanding and I, I think that's the case. I also don't think it matters who plays quarterback uh, on on how you feel this game goes because I think K State has now proven that they can do it with either Adrian Martinez or Will Howard back there. That's why I think something as trivial as like the weather um, or the feel of the game is going to dictate who should be the guy that, that's on the field playing quarterback for K State on Saturday. Um, and, and maybe that gives them a little bit of a, a boost and a bonus. Um, the last thing we'll, we'll talk about, you love Quinn Ewers, so I'll let you just, you know, tell us how great he is, even though he threw three interceptions against Oklahoma State and his team's five and three, and they put up more points on Alabama when Q Quinn Ewers was out of the game hurt. Yeah, I love Quinn. I really like Quinn. Like, I want you to, on Saturday during warm-ups, we normally stand by the K-State side and watch him warm up. I want you to just go watch Quinn warm up. Just watch the ball come out of his hand. It looks and sounds and flies through the air. It like, sounds. You've never been around Quinn Ewers throwing the ball. No, but everything that I've heard is just like, it just sounds right. Like it just sounds, it sounds, it sounds like it would if Jesus was throwing a football. That, I don't know about that. No, that's probably going a little too far. No, but Quinn is obviously really talented, right? When you kind of think about it, I mean, he was the number one overall recruit in his class. Then he reclasses up and goes to Ohio state. And then obviously everyone kind of knows that whole story. He kind of wanted some NIL money and, whatever and that's great and then he kind of transfers back to texas which i kind of think was kind of the plan all along but that's another conversation for another day but he's proven this year to be one of the big 12's best quarterbacks when right he obviously had those struggles at oklahoma state and that's probably the worst game he's ever played in his entire life uh, well, he hasn't played the, that many games what did you say i said well he hasn't played that many games he's only played in five games this year i was i was including high school and in, oh, in yeah. that one I, oh. I should have been more clear when i was saying that but he was battling through a finger injury, which I kind of learned reading your um, kind of know the opponent story that we do every week with the writers from another rival site. So I found that kind of interesting because I didn't know that. I, I do think he probably bounces back a little bit depending on the weather conditions. Like I think he's, I don't think Quinn can't play in wind is, is what I'm trying to say. Like, I think that definitely affected the way he played a couple weeks ago down in Stillwater, but I think he's probably going to have a better game than he did a couple weeks against Oklahoma state. And, you put all those things together, and I think Quinn is incredibly talented. He's only going to get better. Um, his arm talent is incredible. Joe Klanderman said the same thing today. It's just it's amazing what he can do with the ball in his hands. Now, he's not like the dynamic kid who's going to be able to go run for 150 yards. 
Yeah, he's not a runner at all. No. Uh, his best, he can his run best, a little bit. His best rushing game this year, 17 yards against Oklahoma. Uh, his other rushing outputs, uh, one attempt against UL Monroe for a negative nine yards, most likely a sack. Uh, two against Iowa State for negative 13 yards and one against Oklahoma State for negative one yards. He was zero for zero uh, in his limited time against Alabama. So he yeah. he does not run, and Texas He's is not, not much of a runner. Forced and him I to think do it one right thing now, that has which really is good, me that's good for K State. Like that's good for them because <laughs> like Felix Anyadike, Uzama, Brendan Mott, Nate Matlack, Khalid Duke, whoever, send them at him and see what see what uh, he tries to do. The one thing that I've read and kind of heard from different people when talking to Quinn this year, or when talking about Quinn this year, is that they're very impressed with his ability to just kind of stay even flow not get too high, not get too low, depending on the moment, and continue to just kind of be that steady, steady, necessary person that you need a quarterback. And I think that's going to be really important coming into this game that we expect to be really close. I know we say that about every single game in the Big 12, but I really do feel that way again this week with K-State in Texas. And yeah, he's young. Yeah, he isn't experienced, all those things. But at the same time, like you bet on talent. And there's few quarterbacks in the country who are as talented as Quinn Ewers is um, with the ball in their hands, making throws across the field. Yeah. I mean, he, he's obviously got the talent. Um, I, I think we see Joe Klanderman get aggressive at times and take some shots and try and make some things happen. And I, I think based off of what happened against Oklahoma state, like you would tell guys like Julius Brents or echo Boydo or whoever, um, Kobe Savage, if you think that there's a play to be made there, like get aggressive because ultimately like a team like Texas, they're going to score at some point. Like this would be my thought with Oklahoma. Um, but you know, when, when they play that game, like take your shots at trying to force a turnover or get a pick, you know, because they're going to bust big plays at some point. Anyways, they are going to score anyways. You might as well try and up your chances of, of getting a turnover forced. Although I maybe play it safe to begin with to see if you get erratic Quinn Ewers, like a, what happened at Oklahoma state. So we'll see, but there, there are a lot of ways that this weekend could go and it's going to be a fascinating watch to, to kind of go on from here. Uh, Alec, what are your, I know you don't have a prediction yet, but if you had to pick one right now, uh, what's your lean? Because last week we were all in agreement before kickoff of the Oklahoma state game, no matter what happened against Oklahoma state, we were all still going to take Texas this week. Then K-State kicked Oklahoma State's butt, and Will Howard looked amazing. The offense looked great. The defense locked him down, um, and everybody's thought process kind of changed. So if you had to make a decision at this point in time, uh, are you going K-State or Texas? And how do you see the game playing out? So last week's game is really hard for me to contextualize because I don't think you're ever as good as you think you really are or as bad as you think you are. Like, I don't think Kansas State is 48 points better than Oklahoma State. Uh, I do. You know, the schedule, how the schedule plays out, that's how good you are. Like, Tulane is seven points better than K-State. We know this. They shouldn't have to play again. So, yeah, I don't think that K-State is 48 better points than Oklahoma State, but I don't think they're seven points worse than Tulane. Like, I think they fall somewhere in between that. I don't know if I think Texas is good enough to beat Alabama on every given Saturday, but I also don't think that they're bad enough to be in a position to lose if a catch is made against Iowa State. It's hard for me 
to look at the talent disparity in this game and think Kansas State should win. But it's the same movie that we've seen time and 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 time again with Texas over the last decade and what has essentially become a decade and a half now. But I do feel like things are kind of swinging in a different way at Texas. Like there seems to be positive momentum. The culture seems to kind of be changing in a positive direction at times, but then they lose a game that they have a two square lead in twice this year in the big 12 against teams that they should not be losing to once you consider that situation and they're one and six on the road in Steve Sarkeesian's tenure as a head coach. So like all those things considered, it makes me want to go K state, but then, yeah, yeah, I, whatever. Quinn, but then I look Quinn. at the talent aspect of it again, and I'm Quinn's like, well, so good. Then I can't pick it. So I don't know where I'm going. I have no clue. Read the preview. You'll get my prediction. I don't know where you're going. You said last week you're going to pick Texas, and I think we saw the score play out the way it did. And then yeah. it's like, oh, I kind of want to pick K State now. Yeah, so I mean that was at? that was a different team that we saw last week, and. Um, I, I think all along, like I knew that they could beat Texas. Like there was the chance, oh, of course. Of that. But the 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 thing was, is like Will Howard looked great against TCU, but then he goes out and has to to skip two possessions, and the game gets away from him there with a pick by Rubley, and then uh, he can't convert the quarterback sneak, and so then like you start to think to yourself like, okay, can he back it up? So like, I really only had two quarters of Will Howard to go off of that were good. And I had two years of Will Howard to go off of that were bad. And it's just like, ah, is the steam going to get taken out of this? And, and then Oklahoma State, like you expect, like I know that a 48 nothing game is an outlier and everything, but at the end of the day, Oklahoma State's offense still should have been good enough to get points against K-State, and they weren't. K-State still found a way to fully shut them down. They did a lot of great things. I think, I mean, I, I think Joe Klanderman is getting more and more comfortable with being a defensive coordinator. Uh, in the Big 12, um, as maybe highlighted by some of his comments today and showing just how confident he is with, with you know, saying some things. Um, I, I think being at home helps this. I mean, I think it's going to be an awesome atmosphere. I mean, everybody wants that night game, top 25, big feel to it. This has that. I mean, you've got four games left in the season, and if you're K-State and you win this game, it's more likely than not that you are playing in Arlington for a big 12 championship. Like that's the thing you have to take into consideration. So I, I, I mean, I'm of the belief right now that K state wins. And part of this also goes along the lines of like just playing the numbers game. I mean, K state's lost five straight to Texas, which seems crazy. And they've had close calls in every year, except for 2020. And it just feels like the right moment and everything is kind of playing up to this, this big spot. And I think it's also beneficial that whoever you run out there at quarterback, if they struggle, you feel like you have a plan that can provide some extra juice and you can, you can turn and go to plan B. And I think that's something that, I mean, even if it sounds weird to say, I just think it makes sense in this situation. So I, I am leaning towards K state in this game. And like the, I, I'm not a believer in Steve Sarkeesian. I think he's a fraud. Um, they can keep getting all the talent they want down there. So did all the other coaches before him at Texas that failed, and they were still not very good. I think their ceiling's a little bit higher with him. Like, I, I think he'll be able to, you know, win like an average of eight or nine games a year. 
Um, but that's kind of what got Tom Herman fired. Yeah, if that's but, what he does, he's not going to be there for very long. But I don't think he's going to be like the guy that wins a national title for him, and I don't think he's the guy. And, and the reason why teams then only win eight or nine games a year, which is a very good record to have and a very good thing to do, you lose games like this. You lose road games to top 15 opponents. Um, so I, I will I will go the K-State route on this one. Um, and, and like, I'm okay with being viewed as a homer too. Like that is hundred percent. Okay with me. Um, but I, I just kind of, it's one of those, you just you get the feel a, that this is the time you gave a really good analogy last week. And I forget what game we were talking about, but you said, if you pick one team and the other team wins, you're going to feel really, really stupid. Oh, it's TCU West Virginia. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Like, I think we all kind of looked at that game and we were like, West Virginia is kind of frisky. Like yeah. West Virginia going to Morgantown is tough, right? And you know you you could see it, but TCU you, you, the smart pick is TCU, and they end mm-hmm. up winning and they ended up covering. But it was kind of lucky, yeah, at times too, right? And it's kind of one of those situations with this game where it's like I'm going to feel really stupid if I pick Texas in case State wins because I've seen the same movie over and over again with Texas, and it's continued into this year. But then at the same time, like I look at the data, I look at the talent discrepancy, and it's like, well, I lean one way. But it's tough to kind of decide, okay, like at what point do you need to lean the way of the team that's kind of showing you week in and week out that they're consistent enough to go and win games? Because I think that's part of the struggle that Texas has had is learning how to win games, but then also learning how to put games away. Because that's clearly where they've struggled. And two of their three losses this year, actually in all three of their losses this year, they've actually had second-half leads. And in two of them, yeah. they had a two-score lead in the second half. So, All right, well, here, here are the analytics and the numbers you need for this game. I got two numbers for you, 24 and 13. One team is ranked 13th in the country. One is ranked 24th. Yeah, here's, here's more analytics reason for you. Here's more analytics for you because I actually don't care about those analytics. I care about these ones. Vegas has a – Texas has a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Those are those are analytics. That's an arbitrary number that those folks. That's way more analytical. What are you talking about? They use analytics to put it out there, but it's all analytics that determine the number. What do you mean? I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, I'm just I'm going with the cats. Not going to look back. Um, And if they lose, they lose. But we'll see. And here's the one thing: thinking big picture to kind of keep everybody's heads in the moment. Even if K State loses this game. Texas has TCU next week. And what would happen in that case is if TCU wins that game, that is Texas's third loss. So K-State still would be in the position, or well, third in, in the conference. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Alec just held up the, the number four to me. Like I, I didn't know how many losses they currently had. Hey, look, if I'm an anti-Steve Sarkeesian guy, I'm counting those losses, bucko. I know what's going on there. Um, so that's something to keep in mind uh, as we move forward. Um, I mentioned that K-State in Texas, uh, the Wildcats, they had a pretty substantial lead uh, in the series history since Texas joined the Big 12. Um, going back to 1998, that's the first time they played as league members. K-State was able to come away. And uh, let, me, let me count the official number up here. So they won nine of 13 games against the Longhorns. uh, The first 13 tries that they had against each other as conference opponents. From that point, though, Texas has now won five straight games. Um, So that's not a great number to to have in place. 
um, including the, those last five where all of them have been uh, within one score except for the 2020 game, which was a mess uh, in the COVID year. The big Texas game that a lot of people remember is 2006. Ron Prince, uh, he couldn't beat anybody else that you would want him to beat. He couldn't beat Kansas. He couldn't beat Missouri. He couldn't beat Nebraska. But by God, he could beat Texas for whatever reason. Uh, K-State beats Texas 45-42 in 2006. Uh, I've got a couple of uh, a couple of questions, trivia questions, to throw your way to see if you can – uh, get get some guys that were playing in this game real real quick before you go to that um to add on to the series history mac brown against kansas state had a record of three and seven while he was the head coach yep. of texas well, and that's pretty glaring because he's been the best texas coach of what the last 30 years well it's hey it's tough when you got to go up against the class of the conference so <laughs> It happens. Just think Oklahoma? of what his record would have been. Think of what his record would have been if he, they, if he would have had to have played K State every year. Because when up until 2000, uh, 2011, K State and Texas were, were having to skip years because of the whole North and South thing. So they weren't always playing each other. So could have been a whole lot more L's on Mac Brown's resume. Okay. Uh, I've mentioned his name before. He doesn't get a ton of credit because he played in a bad era of K State football. But do you know who the starting quarterback as a freshman was? Uh, in the 2006 K-State-Texas game. No, not a chance. He was the last first-round quarterback taken out of K-State. Uh, may have been K-State's last first-round draft pick. Uh, and played for the he, – he was drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, made a spot start for the Indianapolis Colts. Spent some time with the Vikings. You're not ringing a bell. I this figured isn't ringing I, a bell. All right, well, that's the legendary Josh Freeman. Uh, okay. Was the the starting quarterback there? And I, I didn't would, know he went to K State. I you should go back and watch the highlights of the 06 game. You know who Gary Thorne is, the great play by play broadcaster. I think so. Did, he did a lot of hockey. He was the voice of the Orioles okay. on TV yeah. for yeah, a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. At ESPN, yeah. Uh, is the guy that has the famous Albert Pujols like grounding out highlight where he says, "And Pujols is you know not a PC term to use right now." He obviously meant to say retired. Something else came out. Uh, he was on the call of this game and went nuclear. Uh, some of the other players in this game, Jordy Nelson was uh, out there for the Wildcats. He only not had three my favorite catches. professional football player of all time. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, then He's uh, you're probably, gonna... I'm not going to lie to you, Jordy Nelson is a top three Alec Bussey hate list of NFL players ever. And, and look, I, people are going to get upset about that. I get it. You're a Bears fan. Yeah. It would be very frustrating seeing number him. One, number one Number one is obviously Rodgers. Yeah. Who's number, number two? Number three might be Chris Conti. Okay. For blowing coverage on the Jordy Nelson catch in the NFC Championship game in 2013. Okay. Uh, some of Brett the... Favre, Donald Driver. <laughs> Some of the other well, guys in this David game. David Bacciari, uh, Clay Matthews. We have more NFL players in this game for K-State. Uh, the leading receiver, you probably wouldn't know this one. He was my, my one of my favorite guys when I played like uh, like Madden 08. I would immediately go and get him on my team. Uh, was more of a return guy in the NFL. Played for the Houston Texans and Tennessee Titans. Yaman Figures. Uh, Never heard was, that name. Was the leading receiver. 123 yards. 
for uh, the Wildcats and two touchdowns. I believe Gary Thorne's line in the, in the, the call is uh, he's like, like yelling and screaming so much that he can barely get the words out. He can't breathe, but he's like fingers again. Um, so that's great. Uh, tight end Jerome Mastrude was in the game as well. Uh, he had two grabs. So a lot of, a lot of good things that went there for the Wildcats uh, who did just enough to beat the Longhorns 45, 42, uh, in 2006 then the next year you will especially love this one so the next year they go down to austin to play texas um k-state not having like a fantastic and like fun year by any stretch of the imagination um they go in they beat texas 41 21 and jordy nelson lit the place on fire most Shocker. people most people will remember uh the punt return that he had because it was impressive. Um, you also had Ian Campbell with a pick six in the game. Ian Campbell, a defensive end. So there you go. Defensive end you know, then doesn't normally happen. Uh, so that's a, a good note there. But a lot of things went went right for uh, the Wildcats in, in that game. Um, the running back for Texas, uh, he was not he, – he didn't play for any of the teams in the NFC North, so maybe you'll struggle here, but – Longtime Kansas City Chief running back Jamal uh, Charles. Jamal Charles was uh, the leading rusher for Texas in that game, seventy-two yards. And Colt McCoy, um, I believe he ends up he ended up getting hurt in the game. He threw four he interceptions. No, I don't know that he broke his collarbone, but he uh, he got hurt. Four interceptions. That's a heck of a day. That he won up Quinn Ewers three interceptions day against Oklahoma State. So. Those are those are two very fun games. It also gave us the the Ron Prince stomp, I believe, is from that game as well. So a lot of lot of fun memories against Texas, and the Wildcats need to breed some new ones this weekend. Um, before we get out of here, we will take a look at uh, some of the other games in the league real quick that are taking place. Back to a full schedule in the Big Twelve this weekend, which is significant after all that time off with teams having bye weeks. We now get five games. Uh, the first one at 11 o'clock on Saturday, big noon kickoff in Fort Worth, Texas Tech at TCU, the Frogs. We are going to pick it tomorrow at nine and a half. It's now at eight and a half. TCU uh, still the favorite. Why are there. we picking it at nine and a half? Uh, because that's how I sent the picks out. I sent them out early enough so I give you and Gabe time to get them done and get them to me in a nice fashion, although I've, I know very well that I'm going to get them from Gabe at 1130 tonight. I'm like, okay, so I'm not going to be able to have them done the night before. I'm going to have to do them the, the morning after. Um, this was a game until last week I would have told you Texas Tech could be a little frisky in and have some fun, and then they ended up giving up 21 points in the fourth quarter and got blown out by Baylor at home. So I think TCU is going to be able to take care of business in this one. But again, wouldn't be surprised if Texas Tech does something kind of crazy. Frogs. You don't use the thumb. You, you get rid of the thumb. Oh, frogs. Yeah, you do it like that. There you go. Thanks for the Big 12 hand signal lesson. Frogs. Frogs are yep. going to cover. Yep. Uh, there's not much to be said about that one. I, like, as long as TCU doesn't self-implode, I think that they're going to be able to handle things. You would kind of need a, whoever's at quarterback, because, I mean, t Texas Tech played all three of them in the loss to Baylor. Whoever plays in that game is going to have to play at like the perfect level that Donovan Smith did, where the cleanest game he played all year was against Texas, and that's how they were able to win. You're going to need something like that against TCU. I just don't think that they have it in them. 
Yeah, I expect Morton to start. I will say I think Texas Tech is going to come into this game highly motivated considering some of the stuff that happened over the summer with Sonny Dykes or the TCU mm-hmm. football program in general calling Lubbock a desert. So, but started yeah, a fun little. Well, we're gonna see. We're gonna see how many how much red is in the stadium. Which started a fun little Twitter spat with the Texas Tech people putting the cactus all in their stuff, and then now like TCU didn't allow single game tickets for this game, so you can only buy this game if it was group sales. So there's not probably gonna be a ton of Texas Tech fans there, even though there's a lot of Tech fans in the Dallas Fort Worth area, from what I understand, because of alumni but yeah i think tcu probably wins and covers we'll have although to see. it would be kind of funny i will add it would be kind of funny after all of the tcu tcu was so disrespected by the committee tcu should be ranked in the top four all that pandering if texas tech just wouldn't beat them out right well that that would be funny if if that did happen like i would uh i would i would find that very very funny if that uh we're able to to happen, but we'll we'll see how uh, it, it ends up going down and and what the the next play ends up being in some of the other games. Um, I, I I mean again, like I said, it wouldn't be crazy to think that something could happen um, where like you know Texas Tech finds a way to win, and they may have more you know fans there than TCU if they're able to pull off the the coup that they want to. Uh, do you, do you, are you aware that there is a game that K-State played in Lawrence one year against KU where K-State fans tore down the goalposts and like stormed the field in Lawrence? No, but that's hilarious. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. A little field storming on the road. So I, I would love that. Like all that stuff, like this is tech Super Bowl now. Let's see how it, how it ends up playing out. And also for Texas tech. So they're sitting at four and four right now. Um, trying to figure this out for for them at this point with like how their schedule breaks down should tech be concerned that they're not going to play in a bowl game this year like the season started off with all that promise and now if you think about like the direction that it could kind of head in like uh, let me so they finish with tcu ku iowa state and oklahoma they got to go two and two in that stretch you figure they lose this weekend to tcu i think they I don't know. They'll probably I mean, get they, Kansas in Lubbock. Yeah, maybe. I don't. Again, that's one of those that, like, I I would have said that a week or two ago, but now all I of a sudden I'm on the fence. Okay, that seems likely, and that seems like a, a good step in the right direction for them uh, for uh, this first year under Joey McGuire. Uh, other Big Twelve games this weekend: Oklahoma and Baylor kick off at two thirty. Hey, welcome to being the poverty child of the league, Oklahoma and Baylor. You guys are on ESPN Plus this weekend. So uh, if, you, if you're confused why you can't find that game on your TV, it's because you got to go to ESPN Plus. They actually kick off at 2 o'clock. Um, I think Oklahoma really wins this great. game. I think Oklahoma is like if you are K-State, TCU, or Texas, you're fortunate that you played them when, they, when you did because now I think the teams that are left on the schedule, like you're getting – the better version of Oklahoma. I'm not saying it's the version that people thought they were at the start of the year, but you are getting a much better version, especially teams like Oklahoma state in a couple of weeks when Bedlam takes place. Um, but I, I don't think Baylor, I don't think Baylor wins this game. Yeah. I don't know if I feel like Baylor can win, but I feel like Baylor has been trending in a positive direction now for a couple of weeks. I feel like the winner of this game is I'm going to term them as being, um, 
back. But I probably shouldn't. But you know, you get what I'm saying. I get what you're saying. I do. Yeah. So I don't know. I I I don't know who I think wins. I'll take Baylor to cover three and a half, though. Okay. All right. Well, then that's. I may change my mind when I send you my picks, though. Just so you know. That's that's fine. I know you probably will. Two thirty game is uh, two two thirty games. West Virginia, Iowa State, also an ESPN Plus schedule. Um, I like if Iowa State doesn't win this game, they're not winning a conference game this year. No, but I don't know if they win by a touchdown. No, I don't. I, that doesn't seem possible to me. <laughs> I don't know that they can score <laughs> enough points to to win by a touchdown. Um, so I, yeah, but Iowa State, this is their finishing stretch. Um, maybe they could beat Texas Tech at home, but they still have to play on the road at Oklahoma State and at TCU. So I don't love that look for Iowa State. Uh, I do think, I do think the Cyclones get the win though this weekend. I just there's no way that they can go winless at this point. I mean, when you have the second coming of Vince Lombardi on your sidelines and Matt Campbell, you just don't go winless in conference play. Like it just doesn't happen. So uh, they've, they've got to win uh, Oklahoma state at Kansas two thirty on FS one. The line has moved to even the Jayhawks were two point underdogs yesterday. It's now a pick them. And there's more and more chatter that Spencer Sanders is not going to play. Um, if Spencer Sanders doesn't play, are you taking Kansas? Yes, is Jalen Daniels playing? I don't. I don't know that that's. There's been any confirmation on that. I think Lance Leipold said he's back at practice, um, but I don't know if he's back. I kind of want to take Kansas regardless. Well, if you remember, there was a wise man that said early in the season that Kansas would win that game against Oklahoma State. You did. You'd also remember that the last three weeks I've kind of cooled on that sentiment because KU's actually okay this year because um, I thought, okay, well, Texas is going to be motivated. I think I'm leaning Kansas in this one right now um, just because I like Oklahoma State last week wasn't great for them. They'll obviously be motivated to, to play hard and be energized, but I don't know that Gunnar Gundy is ready to play Big 12 football, even if it's just Kansas that he's playing. So I, I would probably take Kansas in this one, especially since depending on when you got it, you might be getting them with the points. Jayhawks get to bowl eligibility with a win. Uh, all right. I'm taking Oklahoma state now. So <laughs> that's uh, where we're going. The thing is I, everybody keeps saying there's not going to be enough bowl eligible teams though this year. So there's going to be a lot of five and seven teams playing in bowl games. I think the big so, 12 would be largely responsible for that. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, did you see this is uh, I need to go in the big find 10 it, West, actually find it real quick. So the same people that made the, the handy dandy graphic that basically said um, there's a path to where like uh, Northwestern or somebody played the in the Coke big 10 committee. championship. Uh, yeah. They, they made a, a graphic that also showed how every team in the big 12 could be bowl eligible uh, this season. So that would be impressive. Let me go pull that up, see if I can uh, find it. Okay, here it is. Yeah, so credit the Sickos Committee. They found a they way to really get – funny things, by the way. Give them a follow on Twitter if you don't. They found – they said they found numerous ways every team in the Big 12 can become bull eligible. Here is just one scenario of the entire bull eligible Big 12. So, tell me how you feel about this right now. <laughs> they have K-State getting wins against Texas and Kansas, but losses to Baylor and West Virginia in this scenario. If you're K-State, do you take that right now? 
Probably. I would say yes, because if you do that, you get win, you get you win both your home games. You beat Texas. You get the tiebreaker over them, and you beat your rival at home. You don't worry about the nonsense. Yeah, that goes probably. With that. Yeah, probably. And that would so that would give you tiebreakers. I think that would be Texas's third conference loss. So you would tie with them. And I think Oklahoma State. I mean, if if Sanders is out, they're going to lose at least one more. I think they get beat by Oklahoma regardless. That puts K-State in the Big 12. So sign me up for K-State finishing 2-2 two and two over the last four games and getting Texas and KU. Uh, other notes on this. Um, for this to happen, Iowa State needs to win three of their next four. So we'll see how that goes. West Virginia needs to win three of their last four to get to bowl eligibility. Uh, we mentioned it earlier. Tech needs to get two more wins. Um, and that that's basically it because everybody else is kind of in good position right now in the big 12, like the big 12 at this point is on track to end up with eight teams that are going to be bowl eligible this year. That's pretty good. And then if West Virginia or Iowa state can turn something around um, and, and go kind of on a streak, they're in a good spot. So just uh, something to, to keep in the back of everybody's heads at the big 12 last weekend that the dream can stay alive, that every team is bowl eligible. So we'll, we'll keep our eyes on that and see how it goes down. But um, if K-State would finish um, the the Big 12 slate 6-3, and three, I would take that right now. I think that puts them in a good spot. So we will uh, we'll leave everything on that. Any final thoughts or any other notes that you want to slip in here before uh, we, we end things? Yeah, get on the website. Uh, make sure to subscribe if you don't already, but you enjoy listening to our podcast. We have good content up there, so make sure to subscribe to the website. Uh, make sure to read my preview of the game. That'll include my official pick, which I haven't decided nah. what I'm doing yet, um, as well as Mason's official pick and Gabe's official pick. Yeah, okay. Well, I wasn't telling you to use this to pimp yourself here. No, that's that's, that's a good way to finish it. Uh, go go to email online, um, or if you are old school, kansasstate.rivals.com. You type that in your little search bar. You hit enter, boom. It'll take you right there, and you can get in on all the action, um, whether that's notes about the game this weekend, our picks for the Big 12, and also plenty of basketball coverage that's getting ready to come up uh, because Monday the season starts for real, and then Friday the Wildcats will play their first uh, actual road game of the season, a weird 4 o'clock Pacific tip against Cal that Alec is all excited for, and I've been told about how great Pac-12 hoops is, which we'll see. They are. So – That'll do it for us. We are out of here. We will have all the coverage you need leading up to game day and kickoff, and then also all the post-game coverage that you could crave Saturday night into Sunday before we get back into basketball on Monday. Thanks for listening to the EMA Online pregame podcast. For Alec, I'm Mason.